0: You would please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. And while you're turning there, just one last thing. We do have our prayer gathering tonight at 6 30 p.m. We meet just right down the hall here in what we call the bicentennial room, the large multi-purpose room. We meet there. Uh, we spend some time in God's Word, just receiving some encouragement, and then uh, we pray together. And so if you have a prayer request, uh Forgot to mention a little while ago, if you do have a prayer request, um, the the offering plate has already come by. If if you drop it up here on the steps when you leave, uh, if you would put your prayer request there, we will pray for those tonight when we come together. Hebrews chapter 13, the last couple of weeks, we've been in verses 1 through 6. Today, we're going to focus on verses 5 and 6, verses 5 and 6. Let's read that together. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, you have something here for your people. We are to be free of the love of money. And we ask God that you would be chief in our hearts, that you would be our treasure, and that we truly would not be slaves to the bondage of things and resources and money but that we would be good and faithful servants of the one that we love, Jesus Christ. And we ask it in His name. Amen. I mentioned last week that the commands that are given here in verses 4 and 5 are both from the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not covet We dealt last week with sexual sin and marriage, and today we are going to deal with a covetous heart. And Underneath both of those commands is a particular kind of desire. There is a strong desire in human beings to find satisfaction in sex and to find satisfaction in possessions. And neither of those two things are evil in and of themselves. In fact, both are good gifts from God. It is the human heart that does the evil when it loves these things and pursues them beyond what God has intended for them. So we are told in verse 5, "...keep your life free from the love of money." It does not say here that we are to keep our lives free from money. We're told it's the love of money that we are to avoid. Do not allow your hearts to love money, but understand that your hearts are going to be tempted to do that very thing. That's what we're being told here. We're told this command because we should be aware that our hearts will be prone to wander after things. We live in a world that makes this temptation very easy for us, do we not? We're surrounded by advertisements. What's the point of advertising? What are they trying to do? The whole point of advertising is to convince you that you need what they are selling, at the very least that you should want what they are selling. and It must work, otherwise they would not spend millions and millions of dollars to acquire consumers. So it must be working. A lot of research goes into those things. You weren't even aware that you needed a new iPhone until you saw one on TV, right? You know how they turn them and they twist them and they're shining? (laughs) And that must draw somebody in, that shiny new phone. Now all of a sudden you look at the one that you just had in your pocket and it's dirty And it doesn't take pictures quite as good as the one that they just showed you on TV. Man, that thing can do some cool stuff. My phone can't do that. Like, truly, my phone can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So now all of a sudden, the one that you have is just a piece of junk. Marketers understand what a lot of other people do not that human beings are always searching for something that will give them fulfillment, make their life better, make their lives more comfortable, something that will give us satisfaction and peace inside of our hearts. So they understand the heart, or at least something about the heart, whether they call it that or not, that it has an insatiable appetite for more, and they are there to feed your heart. And what we see here in verse 5, it warns us that our hearts are prone to seek satisfaction through what money offers to us. It makes promises to us. We're prone to be discontent with what we have. And we believe there's something down inside of us that tells us we should believe that we will be happy when we have what we currently do not. I don't have it, but if I just had that. Our hearts are constantly saying, if only. If only. If only I'd just had blank. This is the default setting of a sinful heart. We need to understand this about ourselves that left alone, this is where your heart will go. And your heart left to itself, not managed well, not having its appetites curbed by the Word of God by the promises of God, by the presence of God, if those things are not at work inside of you, this is where your heart will wander to. It will never be satisfied. John Rockefeller, who at one time was the wealthiest man in the world, was asked by a reporter, and this is what he famously said after. He he was asked, how much money is enough? And his response was, just a little bit more. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through the daily deals on Amazon and two days later things just happen to arrive at your door? Nice new boxes. Things that are probably now in your trash or ended up at the rummage sale about a month ago. Those things used to come in boxes, now they they got shipped off to somebody else for a quarter or so. New things have replaced those old things. New things that will be at the rummage sale next year. That's the human heart. But because it does not know when enough is enough, it never says enough, does it? Does your heart ever say, that's it? Maybe for a moment it does. And then it wanders back off after more when you see what you didn't know that you needed. But it doesn't know when enough is enough. And because of that, it will destroy itself in the pursuit of more. Thomas Watson once illustrated this truth like this. He said, As a ferryman takes in so many passengers to increase his fare that he sinks his boat, so a covetous man takes in so much gold to increase his estate that he drowns himself in perdition. That's a good illustration. You can see that, can't you? The man taking his ferry across the river, and he doesn't know when enough passengers is enough. He just keeps loading that boat down, tries to sail it across, and sinks it, just because he had to load up a few more and make a few more dollars. Our hearts are like that. Look again at verse 5. Oops, sorry, not quite yet. We'll get back to verse 5 here in just a minute. Because our hearts, they truly are longing for satisfaction. Money and things promising us that they can accomplish the job. But the problem with this is one of substance. Money is a physical thing. And because it is a physical thing, it cannot satisfy the appetite of what is spiritual. I think that's easy enough to illustrate. Your stomach is hungry. And it grumbles, why? Because it wants food. You put food in, and shortly after that, your stomach is satisfied. Your stomach is a physical thing, and it is craving physical things to go inside of it, and it finds satisfaction in those things. Physical satisfies physical. But physical or spiritual cannot be satisfied with physical. Money is of a particular kind. It has usefulness in its own way. Debts need to be paid. Food needs to be bought. Things operate according to their kind. But the heart, and we could even call it your soul, is a spiritual thing that has an appetite that can only be satisfied with what is spiritual. So you cannot fill your soul with things and be satisfied by them. But yet that's what we believe, is it not? Because that's what we do. That's what we practice. That's what you see out there in the world. There is a craving in the human heart for satisfaction, peace, fulfillment. And what do people try to do? They try to fill their lives with more things, believing that they can find peace in them. So Watson said again, The soul is a spiritual thing. Riches are of an earthly extract. How can these fill a spiritual substance? How do men thirst after the world, but alas, it falls short of his expectation. It cannot fill the longing of his soul. It just can't. Verse 5 gives us two commands, two sides of the same coin. It says to us, Keep yourselves free from the love of money, command number one, and be content with what you have, command number two. He is not trying to tell us here that we can find contentment in what you have, but he says do not try to seek contentment through the accumulation of more than what you have. Know that contentment does not come through things and money. It cannot come through those things. It's impossible. Yet that is the prevailing thought that's out there. We believe things like you just need a better job that pays more money. You just need a better house in a better neighborhood. You need a better car, better phone. You just need to save up for retirement. You just need, you just need, you just need. That's what you're told. You just need, all right? But it isn't more things of that kind. You were created according to a particular design by God who is spirit. And the thing that he made you to be satisfied in is himself. That's what we were made for. You can gain the whole world, but you will still have a void in you that craves more, always. A longing inside of you. Because how many times have you gotten the better job that pays more money? You've gotten the nicer car. You've gotten the nicer phone. You've gotten the nicer house. You've gotten the better television on your wall. You have accomplished and accumulated all of it. Eden and Josie, please stop. You've accumulated all of it. But yet you are not satisfied. You know what that is like because you've had it. And so we know by experience that our souls cannot be fulfilled by things. And yet we just keep going back to it again and again. But what you were made for was the Lord. And until you find him, you will always be craving more. At the end of the fourth century, Augustine of Hippo said it like this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Beautifully said. Blaise Pascal said something very similar. He says, "...what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim? But that there was once in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there. This infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object." in other words, by God Himself. We can only be filled by Him. So you were made to be possessed and to possess the Lord and always be in His presence, which is what Jesus Christ has made possible with His death and with His resurrection. Sin broke that bond that man had with God that we read about earlier Genesis chapter 2, it was perfection there in the garden. Man had the Lord, and the Lord had them, and their hearts belonged to him. And there was not restlessness there. There was not craving. There was not guilt. Perfection with him. And that's what we look forward to in heaven. And we can only look forward to that because of what Jesus has come to do, to heal the brokenness that is inside of us and bring us back to God He says you can have him, all of him, again, because your sin has been dealt with. Any hindrance that was there between you and him has been broken by the blood of the Lamb. But ever since then, as you look out there in society, you see people trying to fill the vacuum, the vacuum left behind, that emptiness with drink, Sex, power, money. Is that not what you see out there? The primary gods that our culture bows their knee to? That's what I see. They've exchanged the one true God for the false gods. They make promises to them, and they are in bondage to those things. They serve them, they obey them, they love them. And so we are told here, keep your life free from the love of money, because it will enslave you. Christ came to set us free. Your heart's hunger was always meant to be satisfied in the Lord. In fact, if the heart was completely free from sin right now, it would say, if I have the Lord, I have everything I need. I don't need anything else. I was made for him, and I have found him. He is my treasure. I am satisfied. So we're being told at the end of verse 5, that quotation. is from Joshua 1.5. God promises to us that we will never be alone. We're never without him. He's committed himself to us, and now we exist in his presence. And that happens by faith. It's by trust. It's by belief. Did you see Jesus die on the cross for you? I did not either, but my heart knows it. My heart sees him offering up himself and giving his life in my place. I trust that he has done that. And so by faith, everything that he has earned becomes mine. I become a child of God, in a sense, a brother of Jesus. And he's not a selfish brother. Maybe you grew up with one, one that you were constantly in competition with, and maybe he had more stuff than you did, and he didn't want to offer it to you because he just didn't want to. That's not the way it is with the Lord Jesus. What he has, he gladly shares with his brothers and his sisters in the house of the Father. Primarily the Father himself. We were made to be satisfied by him alone. And we can have him by faith. That's what we've been taught here in this book that we call Hebrews. In fact, at the end of chapter 12, we were told that we have come to the place of his presence, that we have entered into this place where he exists and lives, to the heavenly Mount Zion. We have touched down on the streets of the city of the living God, rubbing elbows with the spirits who have been made righteous. That's what we have. And if that's true... That we are there in the presence of God, the place where we were always meant to be. Why would we ever spend our time down here living for the things of earth as if they will satisfy our appetites? God says that he has done everything to quench that soul hunger that's in us. And yet his people live, will often live, like earth is their heaven. It should not be that way. So that is the purpose of this text, to search our hearts for the love of money. It is a false God that makes promises that it cannot keep to us. So I ask you this morning, or better yet, let's say the Word of God is asking you this morning through what it says. Has it happened that money has become a functional God to you? That it somehow controls the way that you operate. Because you love it, you want to obey it. You can't help but serve it. If more money is calling, that's where you go. That's where you end up. Has it happened to you that money has become your functional God? That it somehow seduced you into thinking that just a little bit more, and then you'll finally have all that you want. Is gaining more money, possessions, security that it offers to you, is that the chief pursuit of your life? I do believe that this could be said about the majority of working Americans, that the main pursuit of their labors is to collect things on the way to retirement, and success, as it is viewed in our society, is to have collected more than the average person, more resources, to retire on than your neighbor has, if you've got more than they do and somehow you have become successful. I do believe that if we walked out there on the street and just asked someone, random people, what does it mean to be successful, something of that would come out, something related to money and possessions. When I was a kid, there was a board game out there called the Game of Life. How many of you all remember that board game? It's actually not even a board game anymore. You can play it on your phone, I think. and play it on your tablet. Same game, though. And I can remember the jingle. You know, I used to get up in the morning and watch cartoons as a kid on Saturday mornings, and they'd advertise, right, trying to tell you the things that you need. And I can still remember the jingle for the game of life. How many of you all do before I say it? Aaron remembers it. Rachel, she kind of halfway put her hand up. It looked like, you can be a winner at the game of life. Was that it? Was that what you all remember? Yeah, it's just kind of stuck in my head, all these... 30-something years later. And so what was the objective of the game? If you remember the game, right? Oh, Caleb, you're going to tell us. Yeah. What was it? you got the most money. That's it. Now, you would have to choose whether or not you wanted to go to college or just start working right away, you know, but you start making your way around the board and certain things happen to you that either give you more money, more possessions that are worth money, Uh, or take away from money and possessions. What was one of those things that took away some of your money? What was it, Aaron? Yes, Yes. children. Oh, (laughs) can't have more of those. But I tell you what, that's actually very reflective of the thought in our culture. The things that we should probably value more are the things that detract from your pocketbook. And so if you want more and you want to finish that game well, you know, you get to that mansion at the end. Some people got the mansion. Others, they lived in a shack, I'm sure. But you compared what you had to the other people in the game. And if you had more money and more value in your possessions, you were the winner at the game of life. How many of us in this room still operate by that way of thinking? Now, you might not admit it here and put your hand up, but we have been so seduced over time. We've heard this our entire lives that that type of thinking has to seep into the way that we view the world. That yes, you can be a winner at the game of life if you just have a little bit more. That's what we're told. That's what our hearts are prone to believe, and that's how we begin to operate. So, yeah, we don't want more kids, right? They kill the pocketbook. You know what? I kind of grew up thinking that way. But the Lord does not want us to live by those standards. He wants us to live by the standard of his word. And his word says you need to be free of the love of money because it will kill your soul. It will destroy you. You are not a winner at the game of life by having more than other people. Jesus talked about how life, your life consists of more than possessions. It means the stuff of your life, you should see value beyond possessions. That's not how you define a good life. Life must start with what you were created for, and you were created for the Lord. You must have Him first. You were not made to live for the things that the world promises to you or tells you that you're supposed to have. That's not winning. Ultimately, in the end, when you lose your soul, you will find that you have lost everything, even if you have gained the entire world. So no, that's not winning. And I'm certainly not up here trying to communicate to you that things are evil because they are not. Things are not evil. Resources are not evil. Money itself is not evil. But if the heart's chief aim is to pursue money and things and to find its greatest joy and its greatest peace when it only has them that is evil. This is what we are being told to Avoid in this passage the love of money and the discontentment with what you do have, with what the Lord has given to you. Our aim is to find contentment in Him. And if we have Him, this is what we should find. This is Philippians chapter 4. That when you have the Lord and you know that He is your treasure, you could be in any circumstance and find contentment. Paul says I was I was I know what it's like to be brought low and I know what it's like to be up high I know what it's like to have and to want to have all the food that I need and then I'm lacking food but I have found the Lord and he is the secret of contentment And then he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And that verse is abused all the time. Like I can just do whatever I want because the Lord is there for me. Now he's saying, I have found the strength of the Lord that provides contentment for me in any and every circumstance. It does not matter if I have a lot or if I have little. Because if I have him, I have more than enough. My heart is full if I have him. Is that the spirit of the age? It is not. But it must be the spirit of the church of Jesus Christ. Our God promises to provide for his children. That's his promise. That's what a good father does. He's going to provide for his kids, those who look to him, those who trust in him. Those are his children. Those who look up to their father and say, Lord, please give me what I need. Fathers do that for their families, and God is the best of fathers. He distributes things in the way that he sees best to his children in this life. Some have more, some have less. God gives as he desires and sees fit to. Now, we're like those little children in the home who look at one another They got something new. Why don't I get something new? So we've seen that happen like right in front of us. I've seen it many times and so have you. That's what happens with our own children. And that's what it's like in the father's house too. We look around and we start to compare ourselves to other people. Well, if he has, then why shouldn't I have? She's got nicer than me. And there the chase begins. And there the discontentment begins too. Now that child had everything that he or she needed. And they had a good father taking care of them. And then they looked around and saw the shinier, flashier toys. And now they weren't happy and complaining. But our father knows our hearts and he knows what they need. And maybe it just so happens that you need a little bit less right now. So that you will look to him. And so when we find ourselves in need, what are we supposed to see? We're supposed to see a God who promises to provide for his children. And sometimes we have an abundance, do we not? And what are we prone to think? We're prone to think what those Israelites thought in Deuteronomy chapter 8. You go and read it sometime and God says, you know, one of these days I'm going to give you a beautiful lamb with more than you need. And you're going to start to think that you got that junk for yourself. Your heart is going to be lifted up. You're going to become prideful. You're going to become boastful, and you will forget about me. Sometimes it's a very dangerous spot to be in when we have more than enough because we start to become prideful. And we start to think that we don't need the Lord. And maybe it's in those moments that we just need our bank accounts dipped into by His hand. However, He sees fit, He knows what is best. He's more concerned with shaping our hearts for eternity than he is with shaping our 401k accounts. And knowing that he is our provider and he's always with us, this is meant to free us from the anxiety of just collecting more and thinking that someday my heart will be satisfied if I get it. He frees us from being slaves to the dollar by promising himself to us that he will give us what we need and that we will never be alone. He has said, we're told here, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is enough. Is that what your heart says? He's enough. The Lord is my helper not only does he say that he's going to be with us he says that he is actually going to be our providers and i know many of you all probably have stories here today that if we were to say like hey can you just think of a time in your life when god showed up with something like this physical things the lord is my helper I saw no way forward, and God showed up, and He gave me exactly what I need. It may not have been exactly what I was asking for, but boy, He provided what I needed. I think that we could probably have a couple hours of that in this room. He says, We have no need to be afraid of what may come, and I have no need to be afraid of my present situation. I know some of you in this room are in challenging or fearful spots financially. I'm not telling you that God is going to show up and give you, I I, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to have everything you need. And maybe what we need in some of these moments is just stronger faith, stronger trust in Jesus Christ, stronger belief in a heaven where moth will not destroy and rust will not come in and rot things. Maybe we just need to be more heavenly minded in the moment. We confess that God knows what we need, and He will give what we need, primarily Himself. And all of this, this frees His children from the love of money, and it leads them to trust Him and to love Him more as their treasured possession. And so I ask you one last time, can you say with all honesty, that you are free from the love of money and content with what you have because Jesus, Jesus is your greatest treasure. That's what we're being led to see here. Because when Jesus becomes your treasure, you will be free from the love of money. And you will start to open up your hand And let things go like so many of you in this room do because you're not afraid. And because Jesus is your treasure and you know that God is a father who always gives what he needs. And you can be generous then and not clinging to everything that you have in your bank account. That is a good place to be. That's what we're being told here. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this word, a word that is desperately needed in our culture, where we are told that to be successful, that that just means constantly having more and more and more to have hearts that are never content because they never find Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that in this room that we have contented hearts as we look to Christ who has provided what we most desperately needed and that is eternal life and a kind of riches that will never fail i pray lord that the people in this room do have enough paul tells us that if we have food and clothing that those things are enough well boy we want a lot more than that teach us contentment Show us what that looks like living in a very prosperous country. I know this sermon has not answered every question, but I pray, God, that as we seek you in your word, that you will provide answers on how to live wisely and as good stewards in this world with hearts that are full because we are full of your spirit. So, Lord, please bless this church. And may we grow in generosity and in contentment through what we see in your word. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen.